are Locked On Rays, your daily Tampa Bay Rays podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome into another edition of the Locked On Rays podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. You can subscribe to Locked On Rays on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Odyssey, and online at fanstreamsports.com. Also, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Locked On Rays and email us, LockedOnRays at gmail.com. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Greenroom. Download the app and join Ulysses and I this week to get in on the Tampa Bay Rays action and conversation. Spotify Greenroom. Okay, on today's show, we continue our lengthy conversation with Michael Lortz, who is a Tampa Bay area writer and author, and also an expert on the Tampa Bay Rays stadium and attendance issue. Here we go. Why do the Rays keep doubling down, tripling down on this idea? Do you think that, do they, are, are they really serious about this? Or is this like the longest bluff play of all time that we're looking at? <laughs> I, I really think it's a bluff. Um, okay. You know, uh, Dave Sampson, uh, the president of the Marlins, the former president yeah. of the Marlins, um, you know, he, he spoke and uh, that some of some of his interviews have been, have been fantastic. Was he, he, he was he was you guys pod that he, he was did, with right? us. Yeah. And he, yeah. he's talked about it multiple times on his podcast as well, too. So. I, I love that interview, by the way, guys. Like Thank that you. was that was fantastic. And to get him. Wow. You know, like. You got him, and now I'm following up a few weeks later. So, you know, I, hey, thanks. I appreciate that. Um, but his thing that the Rays don't want to be seen as a bad guy, that they don't want to really be hated, I thought was was wonderful because, mm-hmm. you know, Stu Sternberg does play the Darth Vader, Darth Vader role quite a bit, but Brian Old doesn't want to be hated, and that's Dave Sampson's position. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the guy on the ground making the deals with all the businesses, you know, all that stuff. And Brian Ald is too good of a person to really be kind of believable. And he says that we want baseball to be here for generations, but that means half the time we're going to be in Montreal. Uh, I'm not buying it. I'm not buying it from any of their employees outside of Stu Starburst. Um, And I just feel like it is a ruse because bottom line is I don't think Major League Baseball wants Montreal to be a halftime market. Mm. Like, so if you look at it from the flip side, Montreal was a full-time market for 40 years. From 1960, there's a 62 team, I think. Yeah, because they came in with the Mets in 62, all the way to like 2002. That was a full-time baseball market. They hosted all-star games, playoffs, everything. You know, you go back, sure, they they kind of hosed their team over in their later years with the Jose Vidros and stuff like that. But you go back and they were selling out with Pedro was there, and Larry Walker and Andres Galarraga. Andre Dawson, Tim Raines, Gary Carter, they had some great teams in the from the 80s to the 2000s through the 90s. And that was a good baseball market. Like, I mean, they have legendary announcers and, and you know, all this stuff. And why would Major League Baseball want that to be a halftime market? It's the second biggest market in Canada. Right. So why if I was a Montreal fan, I'd be like, you're not giving us half a team. You know, but Montreal is so hungry for baseball that they're like, half a team is better than no team which is true, but why settle for only 40 games? So I don't think Major League Baseball wants Montreal to be a halftime market because, or there's the eventuality that it will be a full-time market 
And it will be our team that fills that market. Right. So that's why I feel the sister city plan is because I feel like it will lead to a permanent Montreal market. Okay. So, so does you know, that mean the- that, log- that logic and backing it up to what it means for Tampa Bay is it means it's a stupid idea and that Tampa Bay should be a full-time market as well because we're a full-time market in every other sport. Interesting. So, and, and by the way, with the split city scenario, wouldn't, I, I don't know, do you know about expansion fees, how that would tie in? Because I would, I would think they'd be losing out on the expansion fee of, cause you're just splitting a franchise. You're not adding a new right. franchise technically. So that's a, that's, you know, that might be $2 billion that MLB collectively as a whole would not be taking advantage of advantage of until maybe in the future, like you said, that the idea is eventually to get them their own team. And maybe it's the long play of eventually we will get that expansion fee money, so to speak. Sure. And they're, they're leaving that money on the table. And I think post COVID or, you know, in the middle of the pandemic or yeah. whatever slogan cliche we want to use at this point, major league baseball needs the money or not, the, not that major league baseball needs the money, but major league baseball is always greedy. You know, I mean, look at the deal that they just did with tops and fanatics and, you know, Major League Baseball always sides on what's going to make them the most money. And splitting markets is not going to make them the most money. Like mm-hmm. a, a market that had baseball for 40 years and you're just going to say, well, we're going to make it a part-time market and leave $2 billion on the table. Like, I just don't see that happening. Um, yeah, so you're you're exactly right. And then they would need to see how well their sister city thing works before expanding to a Nashville, a Portland, a Vegas, or what other cities are Oklahoma city or, or wherever else you can think that right. might be a mid market. I don't think major league baseball is going to do that. I, I don't think major league baseball is that stupid. Um, and then what if say the Pittsburgh pirates were like, well, you know, we, we're, it's too cold to play here in the summer, in the spring months. So we want to split a team with Nashville. Well, now you've taken Nashville off the team, off the list of potential markets. Mm-hmm. What if um, the A's say, Hey, we want to split Vegas and Oakland. You know, so like, I just think it opens up a really bad Pandora's box of stupid ideas mm-hmm. that waters down baseball. It waters down the market. It waters down fandoms. It, you know, the Rays think that they're going to be special in splitting a market because, well, the Rays are special and no other team <laughs> in professional sports does this. And well, the Rays are thinking out of the box and that's just the Rays way of doing things, but it's a horrible way of doing things because every other team can think to do the same thing. And, You've seen teams use the opener. You've seen teams use the shifts. So you've seen teams mimic the Rays on everything. What's preventing another front office from saying, hey, we want uh, Pittsburgh and Nashville or Miami and Nashville or, you know, whatever. I just think. And so I think Major League Baseball needs to nip this in the bud before. But like you said, Stu's using it for um, he's using it for leverage because, you know, the, the folks on the Tampa side, you know, Jane Castor and, and her team there are very much like, oh, we'll listen to ideas. We're open to any ideas and not realizing that the clock is ticking and that giving into Stu Sternberg and his egotistical ideas right now is just not a very good way to do business because you need to put his feet to the fire, say, commit to a region, Pinellas Hillsborough, let's get down to business because we need to start breaking ground here in the next two years. This episode is brought to you by Spotify Grain Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. 
The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, Ulysses, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. We'll be hosting rooms for the Locked on Rays podcast once a week, and yes, that means you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. Go download the Spotify Green Room app now, currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. Let, let's look into the future. Six years in the future, it's 2027, 2028. Where are the Rays playing? Oh, my goodness. I, you know, um, Mike Pendleton, who runs uh, one, of, one of the Rowdies' uh, Twitter accounts out there, he asked me the same mm-hmm. thing. And I actually found a soccer meme that, or a soccer gif that was like, next question, please. And he's <laughs> like, he's like, you used a soccer gif. Well done. It's <laughs> the one and only one I've ever used. But for you, I felt it was, uh, it was needed. I wish I knew, um, you know, uh, Mayor Christman leaves in December. Mm-hmm. So uh, St. Pete, so St. people have a new mayor and what that mm-hmm. new mayor does and how they interact with the Rays will be key. Uh, will they just say, no, thanks, Major League Baseball, we're done. It was nice, nice knowing you. But but so, yeah, if the new mayor says, hey, Major League Baseball, nice to know you, the Rays, Rays will end up in Tampa. Michael, just to be sure, so come 2028, your best bet is the Rays are playing in Tampa, correct? Wow, you you did just say that, didn't you? You, you, yes. you uh I Tampa, they're playing in the Tampa Bay area. Okay. Playing in the Tampa <laughs> Bay area. Are they a full-time team in the Tampa yes. Bay area? Yes. Okay. I, I, I firmly believe they will be a full-time team in the Tampa Bay area. Um, whether that means a smaller stadium in Pinellas, a small stadium in Tampa, a 35,000 plus stadium in Tampa. I think the only way they exist in St. Pete is a small stadium. Okay. Um, and they get that small stadium um, idea, the 20, 25,000 tops stadium that they're hoping for would be the only way they stay in Pinellas. They'll move, if they move to Hillsborough, again, there's a chance that they could go more than that. They could probably, you know, they could shoot for 25 to 30,000 person stadium. You know, I, I think they stay in the Tampa Bay area and, and they, they are a full-time team. Right after that, probably two years later, Montreal gets an expansion team and maybe Vegas, depending on what the, what's happening with the Oakland thing. So that's my 2030 prediction that somewhere in Tampa Bay, there's a new stadium and Montreal and Vegas have, have their, their own new teams. Understood. What's your take on public financing? Do you think that would have to be a part of a deal for the yes. Rays to be a part-time or full-time team? Yes. So Sternberg's adamant that they're not paying for the whole stadium. So, but St. Uh, St. Pete and Pinellas have money. You know, okay. they, they have these funds that they can put towards a stadium. And Noah Pransky has been huge about this, that, you know, St. Pete has the money and uh, Tampa doesn't. And what's interesting about some of these, things that fans tend to reiterate over and over and over. And even some of the media is Noah Pransky has been saying the same thing since about 2010, 2012. Mm -hmm. 
how does the St. Pete budget look now? Who's actually looking at the books? Um, you know, so is that same line that St. Pete has money and Tampa doesn't still accurate eight years later, you know, six years later? What does the budget for Tampa look like in 2022? Or what does the budget of St. Pete look like after COVID? Because COVID reduced tax incomes and, and all these other things, you know, so are we still looking at the same budget landscape for both counties, both metropolitan areas um, now with COVID and all these things? From the Rays' perspective, the Rays have less income because obviously mm-hmm. they they didn't get playoff money last year. Uh, you know, COVID, they didn't make any money, you know, on fans and attendance last year. This year, they're not doing well in the state in, in the seats. So how much money do the Rays have? And, you know, they would have to maybe go to uh, – you know, obviously you can't just pull out a hundred, two hundred million dollars out of your back pocket. So there would need to be loans and and you know, all this other financial agreements. I'm not a finance person, but all the financial machinations and agreements and all that stuff to finance all these things. So the thing that you don't want to do, and I think neither side, neither county wants to raise taxes, mm-hmm. you know, or put a tax in any a penny or two tax in an inconvenience place. You know, you want to tax hotels, you don't want to tax groceries, for example, or roads or anything like that. Because, you know, if you tax, put in an extra penny or two on the Crosstown, pay for a baseball stadium, you got people driving on the Crosstown who will never attend a baseball game because they're not baseball fans. And they're going to be like, well, why am I paying for a baseball stadium? So you'd rather push that cost off to things like hotels and tourism and stuff like that. So... I don't know if the financial landscape things are still accurate, if our assumptions are still accurate on that regard. Um, I can kind of tell you that some of the demographic and population estimates are probably still accurate because we haven't seen like a mass influx of people to Pinellas County that we kind of seen in Hillsborough County. Uh, census data says Hillsborough has gone up 14%. Pinellas only went up 4%. So if okay. anything, the, the demographics on population have actually gotten worse. So, but have we, um, but what about the budgets? You know, like I said, does, does Pinellas have more money than, than Hillsborough and stuff like that? Because we're not, I'm not on the city council of either one. So I, I just, I don't know. I don't know what kind of financial ideas these two, uh, these two counties might, might do to fund a stadium. It's that time of year again, and all eyes are now turning to football as teams are back on the gridiron to start the football season. As always, Bet Online is your number one spot for all the pro and college football action this season. Be sure to head over to the Bet Online website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 100% welcome bonus. Be sure to take advantage of their opening day super promo. Make a bet on the Thursday, September 9th season opener between the Super Bowl champion Buccaneers and the Dallas Cowboys. And if you lose, your wager will be refunded up to $25 for new customers only when signing up and using promo code NFL100, NFL, the numerals 100. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your favorite sports from football, basketball, boxing, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait and take advantage of all the great offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. And remember to use that promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N. Promo code locked on, L O C K E D O N. 
So is that the most important factor in all this is which county or city has the most money to throw out the raise for a new stadium? Is that what it boils down to of, oh, well, St. Pete, Pinellas County, they've got an extra $150, $200 million bucks to help pay the freight for a new stadium. So that's where we're going, even though that might not be the best location for the next 20, 30 years. I think so. I think so. Okay. Because Stu Sternberg's looking at it long-term, mm-hmm. um, at least for about, because you also got to think that Stu Sternberg's not going to own this team until he's 95 years old. Right. Okay. So Stu is probably in his fifties, if not early sixties right now. How much longer do you think Stu Sternberg is going to own this team? 10 years? Is he going to, you know, it's not the Steinbrenners where he has a, an older son ready to take over the team. So at some point, Stu Sternberg will sell this team. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I, it's inevitable. You know, it, it's a business and businesses sell. You know, their owners move on to other things. So Sternberg's looking to maximize his profit because he's a businessman. This is an investment for him. So where do you think that he's going to be able to spend the least amount of money and maximize his return over a gain. Um, you know, you've got TV contracts and all these things already lined up. So he's making his money. And one of the things that we did in, in business school, and then I, I feel like I'd love to see for the raise is five-year projections. Where right. do you think the raise profits will be in five years, 10 years, 15 years, given demographics, given a TV contract that say maybe goes up, 10% every TV contract, you know, given the current conditions in technology, given the current technician um, in transportation and demographics, where do you see Sternberg's profits mm-hmm. going for the next five, 10, 15 years? And then at what point does he say, okay, I've maxed out here. I want to sell and I want to get into, I don't know, whatever else billionaires do after they own sports teams. So, at what point is Stu like maximize the amount of profit? So say the Rays make brings Stu Sternberg, say a 20% return every year with a new stadium, you know, he's going to put down some money, but say he turns that into a 25% gain every year after that, because more fans, you know, better TV contract. I don't know, you know, all that stuff that he would gain in getting a new stadium. So maybe he's earned 25% for 10 years after that. And again, I'm just ballparking. Maybe it's less, mm-hmm. maybe it's more, but maybe he makes a 25% return on the raise for the 10 years after the stadium. Then he says, well, you know what? I'm looking for something with a 30% return. Maybe, um, I don't know, maybe he puts all his money into Bitcoin or, you know, maybe he goes on Shark Tank and, <laughs> you know, whatever, whatever it is billionaires do with their money at, at some point and, and to get, just get out of the baseball thing. Maybe he just gets tired of it. I'll tell you what, though, I want to hear his interview the day after he sells the race, mm-hmm. because I want to hear him say with no filter what he thought of this area. Yeah, that would be I think it's going to be fun. Factor. Yeah, that really would be a couple things here. How big of a factor is the possible windfall from the race cashing in on the trop redevelopment site? Is that does that play That's a part another in huge aspect? Absolutely. Because the Rays, what I've read and everything, the Rays get 50% of redevelopment rights on the TROP site. So what they're doing is they're basically holding the area hostage right mm-hmm. now. And they're saying, hey, if we stay on the TROP site, we get 50% of the redevelopment rights 
for all these properties and all these acres of land right there. So if you build us a small stadium, say a 20,000 person stadium, and put an apartment complex and restaurants and all this other fun stuff, then they get all this free money just for basically giving up part of their land. And, and you'd be foolish to walk away from free money. I don't care if you're a billionaire. I don't care if you're, you know, uh, living under a bridge somewhere. You don't give up free money. So the Rays are like, well, this, that's one of the attractions to the TROP site for the Rays. It's not very good demographic-wise, but they get free money. So is Tampa willing to say, okay, Rays, you would make two hundred thousand in redevelopment or two hundred million in redevelopment rights. We'll throw an extra two hundred million into a new stadium to get you over the bridge to Tampa. At what point do you make the raise, a raise the make the raise an offer they can't refuse mm-hmm. to move across the stadium, or move across the bridge? And the Tampa has to come up with that much more money than the Trop site does in St. Pete, and St. Pete knows that they know that. Yeah. You know, they have to their advantage X amount in redevelopment rights that they can give to the race if they stay in the trop site. But everybody looks at the trop site like it's not a good location for visuals. It's not a good location for the fan base. But if you don't care, if you could play a stadium, play in an empty stadium, just make money off of TV and redevelopment rights, then who cares how many fans are in the seats? Yeah. So there could be a scenario where the Rays would technically, or Stu Sternberg would technically be more profitable by, sure, we'll build the new stadium and 5,000 people show up, 10,000 people show up. All right, we're still cashing in as opposed to a stadium in Tampa, downtown Tampa, Ybor City that, say, it's drawing on average 18, 20, 22,000. But he could, I mean, technically with what you're saying with all that redevelopment money, he could still be in a better position financially, maybe not optically, but financially right. with uh, a brand new fancy stadium, but still no one's coming to because of the location. Right. And technically he makes even more money because, and you got to see like, okay, so if it's a 30,000 person stadium in Tampa, you've got concessions, you've got ticket sales, you've got all these other people that Sternberg has to pay, you know, and yeah, he's making money and they're making money. And it's, a, it becomes, I know stadiums aren't big job creators, Right. For 365 days, but at least that one night, you got that many more people employed. Whereas if he only gets 5,000 people to a trap site, he's making redevelopment money. He's just making money hand over fist. And Rays have less concessions and less ticket sales. He doesn't care. Let the let whatever restaurants and apartment complexes and whatever else, they can hire the people. Stu Sternberg is just laughing his way to the bank if we if with that. Whoever negotiated the use agreement was a complete and utter moron. Like, oh my gosh. They just were like, oh, we want baseball so bad. We will give you all these things for you to create a team here. And Sternberg probably looked at that agreement in 2004, 2005 and was like, I would be foolish to not buy this team because I can make so much money. And if they force me to leave, I make this. If, uh, there's redevelopment rights to it and all these things. And, and now St. Pete is kind of left holding a very awkward agreement. Yeah. It's funny. David Sampson has talked about this multiple times, how a lot of the people, a lot of the public officials that work for cities and counties don't really 
have negotiating skills and will do anything at all costs to make sure that they're not the ones that lose a professional team or lose out on that opportunity. And will basically throw the kitchen sink to make sure like David, I mean, basically in what he's talked about, we asked for just a, they, they won one over on the city of Miami and, and whoever oh, else sure. they dealt with. Let's just put it like that. So, um, Michael, you mentioned Stu Sternberg can't own the team forever. You know, maybe the next 10, 15 years, whatever it may be. We, we don't know how much longer he's going to be the owner. Have you given thought to who would be the next great owner or who would be, man, this person would be, could really, really, you know, put the Rays in a great position. Would it be a Jeff Finnick type? Would it be, have you, have you given any thought to, man, I, I'd love to see this person as the owner of the race in the future sure. or right um, now, maybe too. You know, I, I don't think Jeff Finnick's interested. And okay. let me just get that out right there. Jeff Finnick, a great dude um, from all intents, you know, from what everybody said and what everybody's seen. And I've gone to a couple of talks where Jeff Finnick comes out and talks about like the state of the downtown developments and all these things. And he thinks on another level because you, you are, you know, at that billionaire level, you're thinking, okay, I got to meet with all my management staff and who do I bring in? That's an expert in this stuff and this stuff and this stuff. And so Jeff Finnick is definitely thinking at that very strategic big level. And as I think probably all billionaires do, but I don't think Jeff Finnick is interested. He's got his hands full and, all his redevelopments and real estates and everything like that. So to bring in a whole, another huge project or to get involved on the other side of the Bay or to get involved maybe out by the casino, stuff like that. I just don't think he's interested. And I don't think he's interested in having a stadium right by the lightning anyway, because he's trying to rebuild all that downtown area anyway. And if Daryl Shaw redevelops the Ebor area, cause he owns half of Ebor uh, real estate mogul, Daryl Shaw, if Daryl Shaw builds things that have more synergy with what Jeff Bennett's building, everybody wins. Whereas if it's a competing entertainment area to what Jeff Bennett's building, then, you know, Jeff Bennett, if you have a choice to go to a Lightning and a Rays game, well, we're going to Rays games. Lightning fans are going to Lightning games. You know, why not build something that has more synergistic opportunity downtown that is more bars and more clubs and more little transportation and walkability to Lightning games or whatever else Jeff Vinnick or Sparks and Wharf or what other, other Vinnick op- opportunities downtown. So take Vinnick off the list. Um, probably my favorite owner in all of pro sports is Mark Cuban. Mm-hmm. Would love for Mark Cuban to just come and sweep down and buy the Rays because he's the kind of owner that, you know, is, is fan friendly and engaging and everybody loves, you know, and he's, he's a good face of the franchise. Um, you know, you look at what the Mets have done with Steve Cohen and, and, and he's, he's front facing, although he did put out a tweet this week that talked about hitters on base percentages and people are like, (laughs) no, you should not be at that level. Um, but you want an owner that's, it's not Darth Vader. You you don't want, you, you want an owner that has some sort of people skills, Mm. you know? And, And I think that Stu Sternberg has lacked in people skills since he bought the team. Um, I think some of his myth of, oh, my dad's from Brooklyn and, you know, the Dodgers and all this stuff. And I grew up a Mets fan. I think some of that's myth making. Um, But, you know, uh, I think he said that, oh, I watched the Dodgers leave Brooklyn and I was heartbroken as a kid. But Stu Sternberg was born after the Dodgers left. 
So I feel like there's a little bit of mythology in there somewhere, but Stu Sternberg is not a fan friendly owner. He never has been, you know, he does, he used to do the meet and greets there the opening day and shake fans hands and stuff. But I think that's now Brian old and a lot of the, the, the staff, I think the staff is great. Stu Sternberg is not a fan friendly owner. So somebody like Mark Cuban, um, again, I mentioned the Seminole Indians. I don't know if the Seminole tribe can put together 1.5 billion or whatever Stu Sternberg would ask for the raise, but I would love to see them try. I would love to see a Seminole tribe, maybe run ownership group to buy the raise. Um, you know, I don't think that Tampa has billionaires. Um, I don't think who are the folks that own you lately and the Columbia and, mm-hmm. um, uh, the Gonsmart family, right? I don't think they have the kind of money. Um, so we have a lot of millionaires in Tampa. We have a lot of, you know, medical groups that make millions of dollars and lawyers that make millions of dollars. But I don't think we have that many billionaires. So who would come into Tampa? You know, even Tom Brady. You saw um, uh, Giannis and uh, I guess Pat Mahomes both own right. parts of major baseball teams now. So Mm -hmm. could Tom Brady turn around and be like, you know what? I want to put together an ownership group like Derek Jeter and buy the Rays. I I don't, I don't know if Brady would want to do that just yet. I think he does have the clout to do it. Um, And he does have the face, you know, the, the financial business acumen to maybe put together a team to do it. But I don't think Tom Brady's going to sweep to our rescue. He saved our, he saved our football team. I don't think he's saving our baseball team as well. Right. Um, so I don't know. I, that's a really good question as to who who would own the Rays after Stu Sternberg. And again, you're not looking until after the stadium thing gets settled anyway, because mm-hmm. right now I think Stu has his eyes on the stadium thing to make maximize his profits after that, see what his return is going to be after the stadiums, after new cable deals, new markets, whatever. Then, you know, if there's a Montreal element to it, he could be st- – planning to sell, you know, five, 10% of the team to the Montreal ownership group who would then buy him out. Maybe if we were to do the sister city thing. And that's the part that really scares me about the sister city thing is if you're getting a Montreal ownership group involved, what's preventing them once you've maximized your profits to just buy you out, Mm. you know, and then a Montreal ownership group is not going to want to split teams going to split a season with people in Tampa. Why? Why not just bring the bring the team to Montreal full time? So that's yeah. why I just think it's a horrible sister city is a horrible idea. And I hate, you know, I already beat that up. <laughs> but who do I think is gonna own this? I, I don't know. I mean, uh, yeah. if Mark Cuban listens to your podcast, Mr. Cuban, we'd love to have you in Tampa Bay. Okay. We once again want to thank Michael Lortz for the conversation. We'll run the final part, part three of our interview with him on Thursday's show. That wraps up this edition of the Locked on Rays podcast. Tell your smart device to play the most recent episode of the Locked on Bets podcast as well. Hope you all have a wonderful day. Stay safe and we'll talk to you tomorrow.